It's the gut check. It's the elephant in the room. It's found in photo albums, appointments, and promises. It's tracked with every breath. It's challenged with every risk. And every morning when you wake up, you have an opportunity to experience it differently. Time. 24 hours in a day. 1,440 minutes. 86,400 seconds. My question to you tonight is, what are you doing with yours? Hey, babe. Babe, you know our anniversary is coming up soon, so I hope you have something planned. And don't forget, you have to put the garbage disposal in this weekend. You've been promising for the past three weeks you're going to do it. You have to make time for this. Tyler, I need those files on my desk first thing Monday morning. You're holding me up. And don't forget about that business meeting. It's in Dallas this year. You need to make time for this. Hey, bro, I missed you at the gym yesterday. We agreed three times a week. This is important. You need to make time for this. Dad, 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 my baseball game is this week. You need to make time for this. Dad, I, ha I need help in my homework. Don't forget, you need to make time for this. Tyler, bro, we're playing ball again this Sunday, and I say again because it seriously seems like you're flaking out on us, all right? If you're scared, you're scared, but you need to make time for this. Tyler, I am so glad I caught you. Listen, don't forget Monday night, you've got worship practice at 7 o'clock, so you have to be there. Also, Saturday, we're going to be selling tickets for the men's retreat, so we need you in the lobby to do that. And then last but not least, do not forget that life groups are coming up, and we are going to be expecting you at life groups. You've got to make time for this. Tyler, are you listening to me? You've got to make time for this. It's a priority. This is your church. Oh my goodness. Stop. Can you relate? Doesn't that look just like our lives? Do you feel sometimes like you're running and you're running and you're running, but you're not getting anywhere? You're not making any ground? Does it feel sometimes that you can't catch your breath? I mean, do you feel sometimes that you have to go 100 miles, out, 100 miles an hour just to keep up? If there's one commodity in this life that we have to learn to handle wisely. It's our pace and our space. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But before I do that, you know, here at City Life, we like to do giveaways. It's a $10 Starbucks card. It's a couple of visits. If you can tell me what this inventor created in 1974 to help us keep up with our schedules. I mean, he saw men are so busy. How do you remember things? I mean, what am I going to do here? How do, how do I remember this? It's just so hard. So he creates this product in 1974. Now, look, my eyes are really bad. First hand goes up. His name is Art Fry. Who knows what Art Fry created in 1974? Brad. Huh? What do you say? Day Nope. Sticky note, Minnesota Mining and Manufacture Company, 3M, the post-it note. That's your free fun fact for the night. Whether it's post-it notes, day planners, Outlook, our iPhones, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. All we do, we have all these planners and all these schedules, and we keep packing stuff, packing stuff into it. And, and, and sometimes it, like... Tyler on the treadmill or our life, we just feel like I can't move. And you know what it reminds me of? My garage. Let me tell you why. I don't even know if I can call it a garage by definition. Okay, it's a one-car garage because by definition, a garage means you have to have your car in it at least every now and then. 
I've lived in my house for 16 years. I've had my car in my garage once for two days during a hurricane. So I don't even know if I could call it a garage, but what I can call it is an exercise room. That's where we keep all our workout stuff. It's a laundry room, right? Got a washer and dryer in there. My wife does all the laundry in there, okay? It's a storage facility because we have cupboards packed with dry goods. And it also acts as the catch-all for whatever's in our house that doesn't have a permanent place. And to add joy to my life, my son also uses it to hold everything that he finds in somebody's trash that he finds interesting. <laughs> Look, let me let you in why I believe my garage is a great metaphor for my life. Because I'll go into my garage and I'll clean it up. I'll take everything out and I get my blower and I blow all the dust and everything and I I mean, it is spotless. And my wife doesn't know this, but there's times when I got it all clean at night, I'll open the door and I'll just look in at it. <laughs> really. I'll walk in and I'll just go like this in it because there's so much room. <laughs> right? I just love it, right? This isn't my garage, but this, is, this to me is heaven now, baby. Right? But look, in a week... Look, inevitably, it's a spatial anomaly. I don't know how it happens. It just creates itself, right? And it never fails that I have to get something out of it. So I'm doing this number. Oh, man, come on, right? And what am I doing? I'm knocking things over, right, breaking things, usually in bare feet. So I'm going to step on something, right, stub my toe. And what happens when, when all this is going down? I feel my frustration. Am I the only one? Is it only me? What? I don't want to sidetrack. One time I cleaned up my garage. I had everything out in the driveway and I'm cleaning it all, you know, and, and I'm about to move everything back in. I go out and there's some guy in my yard. He's in my driveway. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, what you want for the bike? I'm like, this isn't a yard sale. I'm cleaning my garage. Look, it's one thing if your garage looks like this. It's another thing if your life does. It's another thing if your life does. Now, I know there are people here who would say, look, Steve, I'm comfortable with clutter. It doesn't bother me. I know where everything's at, right? Yeah. Did you ever see this guy at work? You can't even see his desk. But he tells you, oh, I know where everything's at. You know, and, and if you live like that, if, if your garage looked like that, and, and maybe your desk and, and your car, you got a mover for someone to sit down, that's okay. Sort of. It's another message for another day. <laughs> but again, when it's your life and your schedule, something eventually is going to give. Something's going to give. And more often than not, what gives is your family. Your family and your relationships begin to feel that. Okay? They begin to feel it and bend and buckle underneath the weight of your frustration because you pack so much stuff in. And would you believe that God cares about that? God cares about that. And I know I can say that. And you're thinking... Come on, I'm not committing any egregious sins here. I just got a busy schedule. You know? Well, let me tell you why he cares. Because he created us. He created you for margin. To have space in your life to relate, to relax, and to hear from him. Let me define margin for you. Okay? Margin is... It's the space, okay, between our current pace that we're keeping and our limits. It's that space that exists by how fast, how much stuff you have going on in your life and your limit. When we have margin in our life, when it's a manageable margin, healthy, there's less stress in our life. We're able to enjoy the things we're doing with our family. Heck, we might even be able to go on a vacation, right? We could even 
go to a small group. Ooh. Right? And listen, come to church and pay attention because our minds aren't thinking about a hundred different things. But more often what happens is wherever there is space, we feel like we have to fill it. We have to fill it. Now you, you may have extraordinary capacity. You may have a wide breadth of bandwidth for your life that you can handle and manage a hundred different things. And this person over here, maybe not so much. So rather than compare ourselves to each other in this area, let me tell you this. It doesn't matter if you have incredible bandwidth. You have a red line. You have a red line. It's, it's not right to look at someone else and say, well, I'm not doing as much as them. So it's, No, every one of us have a capacity, a margin, a place where when that, when that space begins to get smaller and smaller, the frustrations begin to rise. And you find yourself claustrophobic, getting and snapping at people. Right? So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But if you are one of the few that have just a great balance in your life, and this doesn't even pertain to you because your schedule's, you know, it's no problem. Oh, before I go any further, listen. I'm, there's a difference between having no margin and having this much margin. Okay? I'm not trying to encourage sloth and laziness tonight at the City Life Church. Okay? Healthy and manageable. And there are several different approaches we can take. We can go to a time management seminar. We can buy a new day planner. We can ask people to hold us accountable. But here's the thing. If it's not right in here, you'll eventually default back to that bad pace, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to ask someone who has great perspective on time, Moses. Now, even if this is your first time walking into a church, I'd imagine you know who Moses is. Remember Cain, long beard? He got 120 years he lived for, right? Remember? Pharaoh's house with the big plasma TV, right? Ends up killing somebody, goes off on a shepherd, burning bush, let my people go around the desert. So the guy's had a life. And who, who knows that? He has a few things to tell us about perspective and time. So we're going we're gonna to go and see what he said tonight in Psalm 90. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, let's go to Psalm 90. Verses 1 through 2. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In short, God is eternal. The arrows go both ways, right? All the way that way and all the way this way, right? Eternal. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Let's skip to verse 10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. <clears throat> now we know, Moses knows a few things about trouble and sorrow. And this next verse is really good. Listen, it says, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Translated, that means if we could see God as he is, we would give him the reverence that he's due. Again, if we could see God as he is, we would give him the reverence that he's due. Or let me turn that a little bit to apply more to what we're talking about tonight. If we could see God as he is, we would be more careful with the time that we've been given. If we could see him as he is, we would be more careful with the time we've been given. And then we come to our life verse for tonight. Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Otherwise known, look, teach us to live as if our days are numbered. Teach us. This is Moses telling us today, 
Teach us to live as if our days are numbered. Too often, too often we live like they're not. Too often we don't even take into consideration the end. We don't look at, today I get to hold my babies. Today I get to sit with my kids. Today I get to hang out with my friends. Today I get to sit with my parents. We just live like we have forever. If it wasn't important, why would Moses, why would he say, teach us, Lord, look, Live as if our days are numbered. In January 6th of this year, my mother passed away. She was 70 years old. Stage 4 cancer. I got to, I was there with her for the last three days of her life. But I got to go down and spend time with her Thanksgiving. About two weeks after she was Diagnosed with stage four cancer through her whole body. And let me tell you, the difference between sitting in here, okay, when you're not even thinking about the blessing that you have for today. He had to tell us, number your days. When you know that you don't have much time, when you know you More than likely, barring a divine miracle, you are not going to live more than three months. So I sat with her, my 70-year-old mother at Thanksgiving. And what do you say? How do you summarize 47 years with her? I had so much to say to her. I wanted to talk about so much, and all she wanted to do was hold my hand and just look at me for hours. I was like, Mom, she's like, shh, just let me look at you. That's a person numbering their days. That's a person numbering their days. The thing is, is we all know how to live as if our days are numbered. We do. My wife and I are putting on a 50th wedding anniversary for my in-laws. And we've known it for a year. You're tracking me. 365 days. It's like putting on a wedding. I'm serious. It's crazy. Six months, three months, 45 days before the day. Today, it's 14 days. Look, you ever take an exam? Did you ever want to go on vacation? Did you ever have a baby? Right? All of these things. We've counted the days down. We've done it before. We've recognized, whoa, I don't have a whole, a whole lot of time before this. I don't know if this is why, but anytime there's a deadline no pun intended, you learn to number your days. You learn to number your days. Moses said, what if you live that way? What if you live that way? This isn't depressing, folks. This is a reality. This is a reality. What if you live that way? I'll tell you. And it's the promise. The second half of the verse, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Just the sheer recognition that our life is temporary. It should compel us to live differently. Just seeing that in this this atmosphere, this situation right here, should make us just today say, you know what? Maybe... Maybe I should do a little less of this and a little more of that.
maybe, maybe I shouldn't play video games for five hours every Friday and Saturday night. And maybe I should shelf that, maybe do it every now and then and spend that time with my wife. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't take that second job or, or, or do whatever I can, do all that overtime and spend that time with my kids. Just knowing this should challenge you to look at your life differently and maybe begin to make some changes on how you spend your days. Think about it. Look. Remembering our time is limited provides us with the wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. One more time. Remembering that our time is limited, look, just thinking of that, provides us with the wisdom to know how to spend that limited time. Like I understand. I understand there's a past and, and time can get away from us. And we get caught in the routine and, and the days go by. And before we know it, a year has gone by. You know, I get that. Because <sighs> I squandered two plus decades of my life for me. At the expense of everyone who cared for me. I did. And I can guarantee you. That there's not a person in one of these seats here tonight that wants to end up at the end of their life with a truckload full of regret. There isn't. Nobody wants to finish their life and look back and say, oh man, no. Nobody here wants to pass on the fullness that God has for you. Nobody. Let me see a show of hands. How many people here have ever said or heard this phrase? If I knew then what I know now, life would be life would be different, right? What if? What if? You had that opportunity. What if you could, could reach back and, and speak to you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago? What would you say to yourself? Think about it. You know, if, if I went back 30 years and had my mullet, right, <laughs> listening to, to, to some whole rock songs with my wife, right? I'd say, dude, cut that hair. Right? No, no, I wouldn't. I'd say, hold on to that hair, baby. <laughs> Let it grow. <laughs> right? If you could go back and speak to yourself then, what would you say? What would you say to yourself? Let me turn that a little bit. If you could go forward and you were in a situation where you had to number your days, And you could go back and speak to yourself today. Would you want to know that? Would you listen? Would you be willing to hear yourself say, listen. Jim. Do this. And don't do that. Well, we've been given a gift. We've been given a gift. There's a woman by the name of Bronnie Ware. Some of you may have heard of her. Bronnie Ware is an Australian hospice nurse who spends the last three to 12 weeks with people at the end of their life. She's the nurse who's in the room for the last days of people's life. 
And I'm going to tell you, you may think, well, you know, they see it all the time. These people don't care. And maybe you've had a bad experience with one of these nurses. I don't know. But the, the nurses who were in my mother's room, when my mother breathed her last on January 6th, they wept with me. They were there. They were there when I wasn't there. That's what she does. That's what she's been doing for years with people. All hundreds in their last moments of life. And you know what Bronnie began to do? She began to ask people as they were dealing with the reality at the end of their life. She said, hey, what are your greatest regrets? What, looking back, what are those things that, that haunt you today? And she began to hear a pattern. And she consolidated all her notes and got them together and came up with five things that ran through everybody who she spoke to, who she nursed, who she held. She was there when they breathed their last breath. And she sat with them. And she talked to them in, in, in the wee hours of the night. And she wrote this down. And she came up with five things. And I'm going to share them with you tonight. Because these five things could be you speaking to you from the future. There's five of them. And I'm going to start with the fifth one and work my way to the first one. Okay? Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is about to come. Number five. They said, I wish I let myself be happier. All this stuff. All the stuff we do. I wish I let myself be happier. I'm going to read some of her notes. She said, many didn't realize till the end of their life that happiness was a choice. So they carried all these bad habits and patterns and behaviors into the end of their life. She said, the so-called comfort of familiarity with these negative emotions overflowed from, from her emotions into, her, into their bodies. She said some of them were so afraid they, they had fear of changing that they were pretending to others and, and to themselves that they were content when deep within, listen, all they wanted to do was laugh from here again. Laugh. And, and, and introduce some silliness back in their life. She said, when you're on your deathbed, what others think of you is a long way from your mind. How wonderful would it be to let go and smile again? It's your choice. I'm going to turn these five a little bit, and I'm going to give you five challenges. I'm going to give you five things to do that so you don't end up on that deathbed looking back with truckloads full of regret. Now, if I was to walk in here and I said, I got five things I want you to do, and I was going to say these, you would think they're pretty rudimentary. You're like, oh, yeah, be happy. God is to you, yeah. But let me tell you, when it's spoken from the voices that are weak, who are, check, who are leaving this life, it carries a lot more weight when you hear it from their heart. If I say, hey, don't forget, if you want regret, be happy, it's different if I say hundreds hundreds of people on their way out. I wish I would have let myself be happier. So I'm going to ask you, choose joy tonight. Choose it. Choose joy tonight. Listen to the verse in Nehemiah. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Sweet tea, by the way. Like, huh? Look at you. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Choose joy. Number four. 
I wish I stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I stayed in touch with my friends. Think about it. Really? Four? I wish I stayed in touch with my friends. Yes. Because when they're there, they're remembering all the relationships that God has put into our lives to help us and carry us and lift us and encourage us. And we get so caught up in all of our stuff and our life that we let it go. We let it all go. And then at the end of our life, we're wondering, where's my friends? I wonder where they're at. Stay connected. Stay connected to one another. We have life groups. There's fellowship. We have city life after dark. Copyrighted by the bells. I mean, come on. And be intentional about it. Be proactive. Don't sit on the sidelines and wait for someone to come to you to make friends. You do it. Listen. Number four. In pain. Ronnie, I, I wish I, I wish I stayed with my friends. I wish I knew where they were at. Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. I like this. As some are in the habit of doing. No one in here, of course. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Number three. So now we're down to the top three things that people wish they could have changed in their life. Number three. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Number three. Come on. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Many, she said, many people suppress their feelings in order to keep peace with others. I love this. As a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they were truly capable of becoming. I'm going to say, folks, when you leave here tonight, share your heart. Share it. Don't take it to the grave with you. Live from it. Share it. Stop thinking that you can't be honest about your emotions. Stop listening to the lies that culture and media tells you how men and women should act. If it's here, live from it. Share it with people. They are around you because they need your emotion. They need your heart. Colossians 4. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We're down to the final two. When I saw the second one, I for sure thought it was going to be the first one. But it isn't. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Not a big surprise, right? Listen to what Miss Ware said. This came, gentlemen, from every male patient I had. Every hundreds. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but most were from an older generation. Many of the female patients that she had were with were not the breadwinners. And listen, all of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. If we don't learn to number our days, we're going to live with avoidable regret. Avoidable regret. And this is where margin comes in. This is where margin comes in. Every male patient. Mark 6.31 says, oh, this is me, proper pace and space. Proper pace and space. Nobody's saying quit your job and sit home and drink sweet tea like Nehemiah. Uh-uh. But there's a healthy margin. 
If you think it's real small and you're not sure, ask your spouse or your kids. If you think it's way too much, ask your spouse and your kids. Okay? Listen what a... I love this, what Jesus said in Mark. It's amazing. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. And Jesus said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And that's our Lord. That's not Tony Robbins. That's Jesus. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The number one thing, the number one regret of all of these people that Brian and were with. I wish I had the courage to live a life that was true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. I wish I had the courage to live a life that was true to myself and not the life that everyone expected of me. The number one regret of hundreds of people before they were going to breathe their last breath said, why am I not living who I am? And I say with that, that Jesus has inscribed on every heart in this place a story, a calling, a purpose. That with which these people are longing for is what Jesus wrote on your heart. And these folks are saying, live from it. Don't live what the media says you should do. Don't do what everyone tells you. You have a story unique to your life. Live from it. Live your story. Yours. And you will gain a heart of wisdom. Second Peter. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Amen. Can the worship team come up, please? God. This is so important. It's so important. What do you do with that? What do you do with this now? Choosing joy. Staying connected with my friends. Sharing my heart. Having a proper pace and, and, and balance to my life. And living my story. June 22nd, 2013. Three people raise their hand tonight, and forever everything's changed. Everything. It's like that inscription that was on their heart, a light shined behind it. And said, now live your story. And he's done it for everyone in here. Yours. It's easy to let it go. It's easy to get caught up in our life. Two sentences. A book this big says, teach us to number our days. Teach us, Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Today's your day to choose joy. Today's your day to connect with your friends. This moment is your time to share your heart. And today is the day that you make a change with your schedule and your life so you don't end up on this treadmill that it goes and it goes. It'll take as much as you want to give. wisely and your decision will reward you greatly choose wrongly and your decision will rob you terribly
worship the Lord. my story, mine and my wife, some of you don't, and the details are for another day, but 
But at 16 years of marriage, our marriage was over. It had bottomed out. That was almost 13 years ago. Early in our healing, in our process of reconciling, God gave me a gift. It was early. We're, it hurt to breathe at the time, to be honest. Lots of tears. And I walked into the bedroom where my wife was at a computer chair, and, and, and I felt like God said, get down and kneel before her. So I did. And I laid my head against her, head, against her chest, and I could hear her heart beating. It was the thump, 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 thump. I could hear it. She just held onto the seat, the chair, and I, and I was listening. And I could hear her life. And God said, what if you couldn't? And in that moment, I don't know if it's a vision or all I know is that in that moment, I was on my knees and I could hear her heart and I was suddenly in a room and there was chairs on both sides, but nobody was there. And there was a coffin on the other side and I knew I had to go and I was walking towards it and I didn't want to see it, but I had to. And I was walking and I got to the casket and I looked and it was my wife. And I said, no, this can't happen. She doesn't know. I'm sorry. I haven't had enough time to tell her that I love her. Please, God, no. I, it's to, please, no. I, 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 need to, I need to show her that she's special. I need to, to, to love her. And, and I need to know she, that I'm sorry. And, and, she, and she wasn't hearing me. She was gone. I said, please, God, please. And he said, then do it. And in that moment, I leaned back from her chest. And I looked up at her face. And everything was different. She was alive. I had opportunity. I could tell her I loved her. I could show her how much she means to me. We, we could hold each other and I could kiss her and I could hold her hands and I could tell her I'm sorry. I could do all those things because she was alive. It wasn't too late. And in that moment, everything changed. And since that day to today, I don't let it go by that I look at her and I say, I love you. May God give you that same opportunity with the people in your life that you don't pass on the love in the time that you have. Or this is pulled. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you tonight. Listen to three people whose lives changed tonight with their dedication to Jesus. Thank you. Our ushers have packages for you. After the service, please see them. We have people on each side willing to pray with you tonight. Don't pass it up. Don't think I'll get it next weekend. Get it tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, for sometimes for shaking us out of just complacency that you would show us tonight the Lord, the reality of our life that we have every day. We have a breath right now, every person in this room, Father. May we walk out of here numbering our days with a heart of wisdom. We came here one way, we walk out another way because of who you are. In Jesus' name, thank you for tonight. Thank you for tonight, and we'll see you next week.
See 